This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. What What? the hell? No. What? Hello and welcome to Above the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watch season three, episode 13 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Zeppo. As well as Gilmore Girls, Dear Emily and Richard. I feel like these episodes both had like a similar unusual thing happening Mm -hmm. in that they were both kind of telling two different stories simultaneously, but the stories were relevant to each other. Yeah. That was just weird. It was. Kind of breaking format for both shows. Mm -hmm. Weird that it would break the format in a way that's similar to the other one. Yeah, I mean, it's not like exactly the same. Right. But I don't know if Buffy does that again. Gilmore Girls doesn't super do that again. No, Buffy doesn't do that again. I could be lying, but this, it doesn't. I don't think. What's new with you, Brian? I heard you broke your phone. You told me I didn't, like, hear it on the street. The crack or gossip about it. Yeah, I dropped my phone and it broke. That sucks, man. The the glass broke on my iPhone, so I have to get a new one. I mean, your phone is old. I mean, it's an iPhone 7. That's not, like, that old. No, but I think it's time. I mean, it's a Nokia brick. That's I'm joking. Obviously, a Nokia brick would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It would only have about five minutes of battery, but it would withstand a fall, probably. But it'll be good. Then you can have a nice camera like I have. Yeah. We can record our board games. Yes. What do you mean by record our board games? I know what you mean, but that's not a normal sentence to say. Well, we're going to record ourselves playing board games and our interactions and put it on YouTube. Our interactions in relation to the board game. Not, it's not like a separate thing we're going to record. Correct. Not just our general day-to-day interactions. No, it's going to be board games and just like us putting on makeup and like brushing our teeth. Things we both do every day. Yeah. You guys should watch. Watch us play board games. We try to have fun. We try to role play the characters a little bit. Yeah. Someday we'll put it on our YouTube channel. It's hard to get people to come over and do it with us because it just sounds like we're trying to swing. Like, hey, come over. We'll role play. We'll film it. Yeah. It'll be fun. Throw the dice. Break the rules. Put your keys in a cup. (laughs) That's a rule Brian added. I finally did it, Brian. I finished The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah? Yeah. After, I mean, probably a year... Almost. Don't speak when I'm speaking. Oh, wow. (laughs) I assume that's how they are in that book. Well, really, you should have stopped me from reading the book. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know you could read (laughs) to the colony with you. These are just things you've mentioned. It was good. I've seen the show, so it wasn't shocking. But I'm watching the show, and that's pretty fun, too. Yeah? I'm watching season four. I shouldn't say fun, but it's captivating. It's like a a rom-com, right? Um, no. What? There's neither rom nor com. (laughs) There's not even a little rom? There's there's some rom. But it's like, should we be ramen? <laughs> it's not a long book. It took me a long time because I don't read very much. Should we get into these episodes? Yeah, I'm ready. So this week we started with Buffy. So Stacy, can you tell us about the Zeppo? Yes. In this episode, Buffy and the gang faces the hardest thing they have faced so far. The apocalypse. The hellmouth is opening again. It's terrible. Meanwhile, Xander hangs out with some zombie friends. In a cool car. Yeah, in a cool car. (laughs) All right, so it opens like usual with the previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You're fired. That's it. Just like (laughs) recap of Giles getting fired. It was so funny. I don't know if it was supposed to be funny or not, but it was. (laughs) 
You're fired. No other info needed <laughs> to enjoy this episode. Start episode now. Then the actual opening of the show was a lot to take in, if I'm being honest. There's in some kind of cave. Faith is back. Her, Buffy, and Giles are fighting these like blue, big-eared, I guess, she-demons. We learn later that they're all female. Willow's helping them by doing a clouding spell. I don't exactly know what that does, but that's what they say. I guess this is their nest where they're fighting? There's some kind of new demon, and with Giles being fired, they don't have access to his sources like they used to. So they got them all defeated for now, and then Xander comes out from under some rubble, and he insists that he helped too by taking a beating from one of them. And everyone's like, hey, maybe you should, like, stay home next time and leave the fighting to the women. Yeah, these monsters sort of look like, uh, like in the movie Little Monsters with the kid from Wonder Years. Like a buff female version of that. Sure. And a little bit of Predator mixed in. They actually acknowledge that they need to get rid of them, which is not something they often do. Like, they're going to burn them. Oh, yeah, their bodies. Yeah. But yeah, general vibe of the scene is these ladies seem bad, and Xander's not super helpful in general. At school, Xander's trying to catch a football for the first time ever. He just, like, is begging these boys to play with them, and then he misses it hard, and it hits this real tough-looking dude who calls Xander a word that we don't see anymore. He's, uh, not nice. Seems like a real loner, school shooter type, I guess. But he says that he's got buddies and he's going to get them together and kick Xander's ass till it's a brand new shape. That's funny. Cordelia's there to give us some exposition per use. And she says this guy's name is Jack O'Toole and that he's a psycho. And she's all like, must suck being the only one in your friend group that doesn't have superpowers. Which is true at this point. Like, she's not in the group anymore. And I guess Giles isn't magic, but he knows a lot of stuff. And then she calls him a Zeppo, which is a term I wasn't familiar with. But is Cordelia? It's another one of those like pop culture references where I'm like, what, do these kids know what that is? Yeah, that's definitely like Joss is like, oh, this is a good one. And like no way any teen is using that word. No, I mean, we do keep in mind that this is over 20 years ago, but I still don't think children from 1999 knew what this was. Yeah, they weren't quoting a lot of Marx Brothers then. I did see Marx Brothers when I was a kid, but I did not remember what the Zeppo was when this aired. Zeppo in every episode? No, he's not. Every movie. I don't even know. She just really dresses him down, pointing out how not cool he is and how useless he is to the whole evil fighting team and then just walks away very proud of herself. And Xander, I think, knows she's right. Over lunch, he's talking to Oz, trying to figure out what cool is because Oz is cool, right? What makes you cool, Oz? This is kind of fun, right? Like, I, I think Oz's responses are pretty funny. And Xander's like, are you cool because of all your, like, short, non-committal phrases? And he's like, could be. <laughs> yeah, like, ask him if it's hard to play guitar. Not the way I play. Is he good at guitar? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's a weird, like, uh, editing mistake in this scene. It's super unimportant, but it's weird. Like, they established that they were at the cafeteria by, like, showing us the food and panning up. And you can see Xander sitting at a table. And if you were to freeze frame it, you'd see that he's there in a different outfit with, like, Willow. But then they cut to him with Oz. I guess they just didn't have, like, a free lunchroom set that day, or I don't know why they did that. Yeah, I rewatched it, and I'm surprised people even catch it. And the camera's, like, really focused on the food. I was kind of watching that. Did they use that exact shot in a different episode? Yeah, it's from uh, I Only Have Eyes For You. Like same exact food scooping and stuff? I assume so. Regardless, Xander decides that being cool means having a thing. So he's off on a quest to find his thing. My thing growing up was just that I read books. And that made you cool? No, I think I thought it did. And I feel like it did when I got to college a little bit. Mm. But like in high school, no, it didn't. <laughs> no one was reading books. Be like, hey, did anyone else here read some Curve No, you guys aren't reading at all. You guys are still reading Goosebumps. Cool, 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 cool. I don't think I had a thing. I think I was just trying to fit in. You were funny. Wasn't that your thing? I mean, I guess that was probably my thing too, really. Yeah, that was probably my thing. 
And then they do that fun transition thing where Oz says, it's not. And then Giles says, the end of the world. (laughs) Suddenly in the library discussing the new demon problem. So these demon ladies are called the Sisterhood of Jay. They're an apocalypse cult and they want to destroy the world, which I immediately am like, bullshit. This is like the eighth time this season we're worried about the end of the world. I really doubt it's ever going to happen. But Giles is very serious. This is big. This group of demons wants to reopen the Hellmouth, which of course, as you remember, is in the library. And then Oz shows up for little cage time. It's his time of the month, as they like to say. (laughs) You got to question this. I understand why they're using that cage for Oz because of the television show. It's just really convenient. It keeps him around. But like, is there no janitor that might walk by and be like, hey, you got like a wolf boy in a cage in there. I don't know if that's okay. Yeah. Normally I spend most of my time in the basement trying to clean up that bizarre body, but I came upstairs because I heard a little howling boy. (laughs) But he asked Willow for help with this. Again, making it clear, this is probably the hardest thing they've ever had to deal with. Sure, sure. Not the first time I've heard that. Get it? Because the first. Yeah. And then Xander pulls up in like a classic car of some sort. It's this powder blue convertible. It looks like he stole it from a 50s diner. But he didn't steal it. It's his uncle Rory's who had too many DUIs. So he's borrowing it until he can drive again. Do you think Rory from Gilmore Girls was named after his uncle? Um, No. Okay. But he's decided that this is the thing that's going to make him cool. Buffy and Willow aren't impressed. They vaguely tell him about this evil thing. And he's like, whatever I can do to help, I'm here. Cut to him doing a donut run. Yeah. Of course, Cordelia's there, too, to be mean to more. And she says he's expendable. And she says no one cares about his car. And then we meet a woman who literally only cares about cars. Like, is she a car? (laughs) She's like John Hamm's character in Gilmore Girls. Like, all she can talk about is cars. Yeah. She's very impressed with his car. She knows the model and everything about it. And she just hops right in the thing. I like that theory that she used to be a car that got turned into a human. Yes. (laughs) She's like, I love cars so much. All this is very serendipitous, right? Like Cordelia just happens to be that that donut shop. To be fair, there's not a lot of Sunnydale. (laughs) Yeah. That's been created. But it was funny that that woman's just like, is this your car? Like immediately after Cordelia mentions it. And like the donuts that Xander's purchased, Cordelia's a little jelly. It's funny. Thank you. I don't know if she's jealous. I don't know if that's accurate, though. I think she doesn't want to be with Xander. I don't know. I hear that, but I think she's upset that it worked. <laughs> yeah, I totally, yeah. So him and this girl end up at the bronze. She's still rambling about cars. Xander's super bored. And then Angel shows up, and he's just so happy to see him. <laughs> like, oh, buddy, save me. We're best friends. <laughs> yeah, Xander, like, hates Angel, but right now he's like, get me away from the car, lady. And Angel's not in the mood. He's looking for Buffy because something's happening. And Xander's like, yeah, yeah, the apocalypse. Those guys are looking into it. And Angel's worried they're not doing enough because he's seen portents. I've never heard that word in my life. Oh, really? Do you know what portents are? Portents are, like, uh, signs of things that are going to happen in the future. Uh-huh. I turned on the captions because I really didn't understand what he was saying. I thought he was just, like, said it was important, but... He said he saw portents. Where Where is he seeing those? Didn't, don't you check the paper for portents? The paper? Yeah, I'm always like, uh, where are today's portents? <laughs> like, I've been learning some things. Wait, who does he talk to? The plants at his house, I guess. Do like, people even know he's alive? Like, does he have friends? He does not have friends. Uh, who's he hanging out with that he's getting all this information all the time? What we really need is a, a Zeppo episode of Angel. Like, what is he doing every day? Yes. When he's not doing yoga with Buffy with their shirts off, like, trying not to kiss, what are you doing? Writing portents? Poetry for Buffy to read after they do yoga with their shirts off? Yeah. I guess she has her shirt on. Not her top shirt. 
Xander's like, whatever, take me with you. I can help. Angel's like, nah, you're a weak little baby boy. You stay here. Why don't you get some muffins from the Browns? So him and his new car friend, who I'm pretty sure we never name, wants to go for a drive again, of course. And Xander, in trying to prove to her that he's no klutz, smashes into a car that belongs to O'Toole. The psycho. From the beginning. O'Toole's pissed. He threatens Xander with a knife named Katie. The knife gets a name, but not the lady. <laughs> Joss Whedon, everybody. <laughs> I looked it up on IMDb, and she is credited with a name, but I don't think they ever say it. It's something stupid like Lisette. I, I think we would remember them saying that. Yeah. I do want to point out that this guy is just, like, so intense all the time. Mm-hmm. He's all like, you know what the difference between you and me is? Fear. Which one of us has the least fear? And he gives Xander the knife, I guess, to, like, see if he'll do something with it? The girl's like, I'm bored. She's like a Shane. Instead of Jess's mouth, she likes rides in cars. <laughs> Shane seemed to like that car too. She's taking a bra off. That's true. A cop shows up. Xander's like, yep, yeah, nothing happening here. And O'Toole instantly likes him because he didn't narc on him. He thinks that's cool. So he's like, we're friends now. Let's take your car. Go pick up my boys because this car is not mine. I actually super stole this. And at the mention of car, the girl goes awooga. And then <laughs> this dopey clown music starts playing that does not stop for the rest of the episode. <laughs> First off, can we talk about how mad this guy was that Xander bumped into a car that was not his? (laughs) And then also, this cop. So, in Buffy, we see cops, like, four times total. (laughs) So, one more time? Yeah, so this cop just like, whoa, what's going on there? I guess this is a problem I can solve. You know, like, the cops are so not helpful at any point in the show. Yeah. The last cop we saw got his gun stolen by Giles. Well, he was under a banned candy spell, potentially. Yeah, that's true. A couple episodes ago, they stole witch stuff from the school. That's true. I get, We do see some police officers, but they're pretty ineffectual in general. In the show, not in real life. I'm not making a political statement. But if you had to defund the police, I would defund the Sunnydale police. Give it all to Buffy. Yeah, someone should give something to Buffy. So the three of them go to the graveyard. O'Toole apparently knows magic. He's doing some kind of spell over the grave. He says his grandpappy can work that mojo. And he raises his friend Bob from the grave. Bob is psyched. He seems to be like a Sunnydale jock. He probably died in the same accident as that kid in the season two reanimator episode. I feel like he looks like that guy. Yeah, they're similar people. I think they said he got shot, but yeah. he's been dead eight months. And O'Toole's been taping every episode of Walker, Texas Ranger for him. <laughs> Just like he promised, so they clearly planned this. I do feel like this is all funny, though. He's like, how long have I been out? It's like eight months. He's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not worried that you're a zombie right now, man? That's That your skin's coming off your face? Like Huge tone shift in the show at this point. Yeah. The girl just runs away screaming. This is no longer about cars. She's, she's out. She's out for the rest of the episode. She's tired of being car teased. She's out. Bob and Jack want to go get the other guys, and they insist that Xander drive them around. At the library, Werewolf Oz is cranky. So is Giles. The Watcher's Council won't take his calls, and Buffy's eating all his jelly donuts. I really thought that was funny. Yeah. They're like, you wanted a jelly? He's like, I always have a jelly. I'm always the one that says, let's have a jelly in the mix. (laughs) And then he's like, I guess we'll send Xander for more. Willow's like, we're sorry. But then she just throws Buffy under the bus. She's like, Buffy had three. That is a lot of jelly donuts. That's a lot of donuts. She's not fighting tonight either. That's a lot of cows, Buffy. She does burn cows, though, a lot, I assume. 
Giles is off to try contacting the spirit guides who exist out of time and have knowledge of the future. What the fuck is... When, what is this? Listen, if your portents aren't available... Why is this the first time we're hearing of this? We should talk about the tone differences, right? Sure. Like, you mentioned that that music starts playing, that, like, weird clown car music whenever we're doing Xander's story. Yeah. What did you call it? You said it sounded like Kevin McLeod music, like kind of YouTube video? Oh, yeah. The mu- if you guys are familiar with our videos that we put on TikTok or Instagram, if you're not, you should be. But... If you aren't, all the music I generally use is from the same guy. He, like, makes free stuff that's all over TikTok and things like that. I mean, it's the kind of music you would imagine listening to if you watched a video of, like, a bumbling bumblebee. Yes. (laughs) That's the soundtrack for this episode. So that's the tone for Xander. But then whenever we cut to, like, Buffy and crew, it's, like, the most intense episode ever. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, over the top, turned up to 11, season finale kind of feeling, you know? Yeah. Which is fun. It's a hilarious tone juxtaposition when we see them next to each other. So Giles goes to talk to the spirits. They're like, nah, you're fired, man. What were you (laughs) thinking? (laughs) We saw the previously on Buffy. We're not going to answer any questions, bud. I think they say, like, don't contact us again or something like that. Xander catches up with Giles. We're now in a different cemetery, by the way. There are 12. Yeah. We've seen this one before, I think. He's just, like, begging Giles to let him help him so he has an excuse to get rid of these guys. And they're off in the distance trying to get his attention. And Giles is like, nope, Angel's right. You're a weak little baby boy. Giles is super stressed out. Like, there's something different about this evil. And he says there's the stench of death in the air. And Xander's like, well, that's probably Bob. This is kind of funny because they're just, like, talking past each other, sort of. I don't know why Xander's not just like, no, this is what I'm dealing with. Can you please... Help me. Yeah, is this related to your thing? Um, like, I think there's precedent that no one is telling Xander about what they're dealing with. Right. So it makes sense that Giles wouldn't tell him, but I feel like Xander should just tell Giles what's happening. Yeah. But Giles is like, whatever, we'll figure it out. We probably have a couple weeks to prepare. Then another one of those cuts, they definitely don't. We're at a ransacked Willie's, and Willie's telling Buffy that it's going down tonight. I don't know how Willie's alive, though. It doesn't matter. This is like a fun episode, but they've already set up that these women demons eat their victims. I don't know why they just, like, beat him up, and then they're like, be back later. I don't know. Maybe Buffy scared them off, I guess. But the demons got to Willie. They said they're coming after Angel and Buffy, and Willie says he's seen nothing like these demons. But as bad as they are, nothing's going to be as bad as when that hell mouth opens. So he recommends Buffy and Angel just, like, cozy up and have a nice last night on Earth together. Heavy stuff. Yeah. Meanwhile, Xander's driving around O'Toole and now three of his risen friends. They're just so excited to be alive again. They want beer. They want Taco Bell. They want to bake a cake. Stacy's doing air quotes. You can't see it, but. Yeah. They want ladies. Good luck with that. You guys are gross right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not happening for you ever again. Xander keeps trying to ditch them, but they're like, no, you're one of us now. And then they break into a hardware store and steal a bunch of stuff. To bake a cake. To bake a cake, they keep saying. And then Xander sees Willow. She's coming out of the magic store. And we hear her tell the shop guy, like, sorry to wake you? Does that mean she called him at his house and told him to meet her there? I'm guessing. Or he, like, was sleeping in the magic store? If anyone is tuned into what's happening that's not part of the Scooby gang, it's gonna be the magic shopkeeper, right? Probably. He's probably got all kinds of portents he's checking. Those... Spirit guides probably check in with him because he's fully employed. Like <laughs> She's there getting stuff for a protection spell. Maybe just always have that stuff, Willow. But she says that the thing is happening tonight, doesn't tell him what it is. She's got to go, but then she hugs him and tells him she loves him. You said you like this part? I did. I, I One of my favorite things about this show, and it's, it's sad that like the way Xander's written, especially in the first like three seasons, is sort of 
he can be sort of toxic at times. He's an adolescent, you know, whatever. That's how people are. But I really like the Xander Willow relationship. I've always liked it. I've always loved it. And it's like, this season's weird because of their like romance, mm-hmm. but like they care about each other and it's like deep. It's not just like a nothing. I don't know. They, they cared about each other before Buffy showed up. And so when she stops because she thinks like they could die and she's like, I love you, Xander, and like hugs him. Like, I don't know. I, I really like that, especially given like what's happened this season and how it might be awkward and how you might not want to do that. Yeah. It's, it's silly, but I really liked that a lot, actually. Xander's had enough of the boys. He's like, that's it. I gotta go. And the dead guys are like, well, maybe he just doesn't feel like he's part of the group. Maybe he just needs to be initiated. Turns out initiation means dying. And guess what? O'Toole's also dead. Apparently he died three weeks ago in a drive-by shooting, and his grandpappy brought him back after ten minutes, which is, I guess, why he looks fine. He wasn't dead long enough to get zombied. But Xander doesn't want that, so he just, like, jumps in the car and drives away. Faith's fighting some blue demons, and she's having a hard time. But Xander comes along and saves her by hitting one with his car. He drives her home and then helps her relocate her shoulder. Now, we've set up that fighting makes Faith horny. And we've set up that Xander is always horny. Yeah, many times. And then we spend half a page of dialogue assuring us that Xander has an erection. And (laughs) and, uh, then they, they do it. Xander's first time. Death not Faith's. It seems kind of nice, I guess. They're cuddling for like a second. And then she just like kicks him out in his underwear. And she's like, that was great. Got a shower. Bye. Xander then realizes these aren't cake supplies that they got from the hardware store. These are bomb supplies. Now that his boner's gone, he can think straight. (laughs) He had a boner when they were buying them? You know Xander. He saw some linoleum. Just never went down from the car girl. But he's like, Buffy will know what to do. And then another one of those transitions cut to Buffy talking to Angel saying, I don't know what to do. And this is a very dramatic Buffy and Angel scene. Angel's going to sacrifice himself to like give Willow and Buffy time to do something. And he like literally says, this is worse than anything we've ever faced. She's not ready to watch him die again. I love you. I love you. Death can't change that. Their music's playing. Same old stuff. You know, not ready to lose you. They have this scene every couple episodes. (laughs) Not this intense though. (laughs) Sometimes. They basically had the scene in amends. And then Xander is just casually there behind them. (laughs) He like clears his throat, just interrupting this intense, not fight, but like passionate back and forth they're having. He's like, yeah, uh, I got this, um, never mind. This seems like a bad time. You guys just go back to whatever that is. He's like, can I help? And they both kind of like shake their head. (laughs) They just like stare at him and he leaves. I thought this was super funny. It was funny. I was thinking like this seems stupid dramatic right now, (laughs) even though I kind of already understood the tone shift. Yeah. But I'm not ready to lose you. <clears throat> hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so he's off on his own again to figure out the bomb problem. Oz is all riled up because he can sense the hellmouth is going to open because he's a dog, I guess. So they tranquilize him. This is weird. This makes no sense. They're about to let, he does break out of the cage, but they're about to let him out of the cage. I guess they're relocating him to a different part of the school. I, I don't know why. Get him away from the hellmouth when the monster comes out? That was the idea, yeah. But Giles is going to open the door and then is like, get ready to shoot as soon as I open this door. The gun can 100% go through the fencing in the door. Yeah, like you are he's not just going to walk to the new room with you. You're going to have to tranquilize him no matter what. So just do it through the door. And she has to shoot him twice. So it's like, why don't you just do it with the door closed? It doesn't make any sense. But then Giles is doing some kind of spell over the Hellmouth, a binding spell. I don't know what spells do, but I don't think it worked, whatever he did. Turns out the zombies are putting a bomb in the basement of the school. Why? They never really say. 
Xander arrives at the school. He's trying to go there to ask Giles for help. He's driving super fast down this very short street. And then he grabs one of the guys. As he's driving, the guy's just like hanging out Xander's door. And he has a whole conversation with him, like 30 seconds long, asking him how to defuse the bomb. And he's like being an all tough guy, like, you better have the right answer. You're going to regret it. And then he just gets like smacked by the mailbox. But then we see the long shot again, and he's just reached the end of this very short street. Like, yeah. that conversation would have taken up way more street yeah it's still kind of a funny scene i actually don't like the line where he's like okay didn't needle that middle part but like i did like the, <laughs> the zombie's head coming off that yeah was funny. so the rest of the guys chase xander around the school bob grabs an axe and just looks at it and says good for chopping <laughs> classic bob everybody but xander kills him with a vending machine and then another one of them gets killed by the lady demons a couple of them show up the gang's in the library. The Hellmouth is open. The Hellmouth monster is back. Apparently it's grown. Remember that tentacle thing? It looks better now. So the whole time that Xander's dealing with the bomb problem, we get glimpses of this fight. Like, we see Buffy get thrown out of the library at some point. It, like, busts through the wall and Xander sees one of his heads. And then Xander finds the bomb. But O'Toole's there and he's not going to let him stop it. But then Xander kind of fights him and he's going to, like, keep fighting him. He's not just going to let him get out, but it's ticking. And this guy's realizing, like, we won't have time to get out so he can either defuse it and they both go or they both will explode. He's like, I'm not afraid to die. I'm already dead. And Xander points out that blowing up is different because then you're in little pieces and your grandpappy can't just raise you. And it works. It gets down to, like, two seconds. He defuses the bomb, proving that he had more fear than Xander. It's kind of funny because this like quiet standoff is happening and we see like cutaways to the gang in the super violent fight with the monster upstairs. And then Xander tells him he doesn't want to see him on campus anymore. Xander walks out of the room and Jack's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to get you. And as soon as he opens the door, Oz is just there and eats him. Willow maybe didn't lock him up that great, I guess. So the next day, the gang's outside talking about their experience. They're all pretty traumatized and bandaged up. I guess Angel didn't have to die. They say he was only out for a few minutes. We don't see him during the fight ever, so I don't really know what he did. Buffy tells Giles that something he did was the bravest thing she's ever seen. I guess their relationship's all better. Yeah, I wish we addressed that more. Like, he betrays her pretty hard in the previous episode. But we didn't even, like, address that. But I don't know that you would be able to with this episode. Right. But it it was cute when she said that. He kind of like, aw, shucks, you can tell. Yeah. And Willow says that no one will ever know how close the world came to ending. Specifically, like, what they did to save it. Yeah. Which I think is meant to be like, no one will also know about Xander's thing. But, like, why won't anyone know what they did? They could tell people. They could write a book about it. <laughs> like, no one told them they couldn't. It wasn't like the monster left. It was like, I don't want to see you here ever again. <laughs> I don't want to see you guys on campus. And then Xander walks over, and they're like, wow, Xander, you were lucky you weren't here last night. And then he offers to get them snacks. But Oz isn't hungry, because he fully ate a man. Cordelia shows up to be a bitch again. <laughs> Which is generally her role. So. And then Xander just kind of smiles and walks past her. She's like, what? 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 He's got that cool factor now. You think? He's cool? For at least the rest of this episode. So his thing is diffusing... Is not having fear. Oh. I don't know that that stays tried and true for the rest of the show, but... uh, That's that's all I have. I think that was where... Yeah, it's over. That was it. Yeah. A lot of moving parts in this episode. Yeah. Brian, was it a good episode? I think it was a good episode. I will say, and I'm trying to turn on the woman whose name we never learned, uh, that it didn't fire on all cylinders. Ooh, can we go for a ride? <laughs> I feel like some of it didn't work, but I feel like a lot of it did. Yeah. 
the problems I had is like Xander's story was just so silly dumb. Mm-hmm. Why did they want to bomb at the school? It's just like a weird coincidence. These guys just don't seem like the types of people that would be into building bombs. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, but none of the people in this show ever look like the scientists who would bring their brother back to life with science and then build him a Frankenbride either, you know? Yeah. It just seemed like a big leap to go from like we want to get drunk at Taco Bell to we, we know how to, to school, yeah. We know how to build a bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they weren't even talking about how much they hated school or anything like that or right. like how much they wanted to get back at that mean science teacher or whatever. Yeah, so it's just sort of a bunch of odd stuff with Xander. And some of the writing for Xander isn't that. Some of it isn't funny. Some is. But some is. So I'm torn. I, I do think it's a good episode and I think it's very funny. I just think a couple of the jokes don't land cuz of some of the tone shifts. What'd you think? Yeah, I felt the same. Like, it became very clear at some point that the stuff that was going on with the apocalypse storyline wasn't important. Right. That they were just playing that up to be as dramatic as possible. Because then it was funny to switch to Xander's, like, super, not lame. Like, he had kind of a big problem to deal with. But Any other day of the week, it would be a big problem. Yeah. Maybe it would have been better if Xander's story was, like, a very simple thing. I mean, it was. I mean, not really. Everyone would have died if he didn't save the day. Right, right. I see what you're saying. And he was dealing with zombies that wanted to kill him. So maybe if he was just like doing like an easier task where he was the hero, it would have been funnier instead of just like straight up making it goofy. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would have worked better. I did still think it was very funny. But like I mentioned that scene where he was talking with Giles in the graveyard. I'm like, why wouldn't you just tell him what's happening? It'd be one thing if he was just like, these guys are kind of bad dudes. But if it's like, hey, Giles, no, these guys are like coming back from the grave. Should we be dealing with that? Right. That's like something you definitely need to ask Giles. I I, I liked what they tried to do. Yeah. It was very funny when they shifted tones. But I just didn't enjoy Xander's night at all. Yeah, that's the thing, man. I really want to. O'Toole was just annoying. He was, like, too bad of a dude. Like, obviously he's bad. We want to see Xander beat him. But there should have been maybe one fewer zombie friend. That just felt, like, over the top. If it was just O'Toole and Bob, maybe one other friend. Because we don't even know the other two's names. They were just, like, two extra guys that were there. I think it was a good episode. It was entertaining. But something's keeping it from being, like, great for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. And now for a special segment we like to call Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed was another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries. Stacy, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile on Charmed Season 3, Episode 13, Bride and Gloom, Phoebe and Piper are lured to the dark side and relish their new evil powers when a shape-shifting warlock tricks Prue into a shotgun wedding in an effort to steal the Book of Shadows. Couple things we gotta recap, Brian. I'm sure you remember the Book of Shadows is a weight loss cookbook. Yeah, of course, hon. That their evil shape-shifting neighbors have tried to steal in the past. Yeah, of course. You think I would forget that? That's all I have to recap. So I assume this is one of their neighbors. Maybe he was like kind of young when they first moved in, but he's all grown up and kind of hot now. Yeah. But okay, a shotgun wedding, do you have to be pregnant to have a shotgun wedding? Or is it just like we're having premarital sex, we might get pregnant, we should get married? I mean, I think you're supposed to be pregnant. Right? So is she pregnant? Maybe she thought she got the warlock pregnant and it's pretending to be pregnant. Warlocks don't get pregnant. Okay, so the warlock shapeshifts uh-huh. into a pregnant woman yep. and Prue thinks she did it? Uh-huh. Sounds right. I recently found out how reproduction works. So 
I could see how someone who spent a lot of time with magic is just a little confused about it. Yeah. Especially when she's like half cartoon. She could be like, is it my cartoonness? Oh, who knows? And probably the shape-shifting warlock also gets a little confused and forgets that it's a warlock and not a pregnant woman. Right. But since it thinks it's a pregnant woman, it's hungry. So yeah. it needs that book of shadows. Yep. For its cravings. Mm-hmm. But then there's this whole other thing with Piper and Phoebe. What are well, they? Well, they're being lured to the dark side. Well, yeah. What's luring them? Well, they want to use these evil powers. Like, uh, they want to be able to take food from people without the people getting mad. Take food from people? Yeah, you know, like you're walking through the park and you see somebody in ice cream. You're like, God, I wish I had that ice cream, but I'm not going to steal from them. They can with these new powers. Those are their evil powers. Well, that's not... Oh, my God, Stacey. That's not all their powers. Okay. Come on. That's one. It's pretty... That's one. Not and, super uh, <laughs> evil. <laughs> um, uh, the other one is... Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, no, 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 that's it. <laughs> and that's the dark side. Yeah. The type of woman that steals ice cream from probably children in a park. They say it's like taking candy from a baby, right? They don't ever say that, like, that's a good thing. But they say that to the babies when they take their ice cream. Yeah, and in this case, the babies don't care because that's part of the magic. So anyway, it's a pretty straightforward episode. But at some point, someone takes food from them and they're like, oh, that isn't pleasant. Okay, we should stop doing it. And then they go home and they see Prue snuggling on the couch with what they see as a warlock. Right. But Prue sees it as a pregnant woman. And then, like, Prue, what? Explain yourself. And she does. She explained. Like, we explained it earlier, you yeah. know. And how it was explained to me like two weeks ago. Yeah. And then it shifts back because it's embarrassed. He's like, I'll go back across the street. No book of shadows for me today. That's how it sounds. It's weird. It's kind of like a ghost sounding demon warlock. And that's how Charm goes this week. Yeah. This has been Meanwhile Uncharred. And then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about Dear Emily and Richard. So this episode is about Sherry giving birth unexpectedly. That's Rory's soon-to-be new stepmom. And also about Luke going out on a date. And also about Lorelai and Christopher in the past via flashbacks. What happened to them? Concerning the birth of Rory. Yes. So the episode starts another Friday night dinner. Emily is trying to remember, like, who hiked their skirt up at a party one time. (laughs) Just like some woman. And Lorelai and Rory tell Emily and Richard that they're planning to do a European backpacking, hostel-staying adventure after high school. And Richard and Emily are, like, laughing about it because they think it's a joke. Because that's too absurd for them. Hell, when Emily went to Paris, she stayed at the Ritz. Lorelai's like, if it makes you feel any better, we'll go there and then we'll eat out of their dumpster. And Richard's face is great after that. Yeah, they think this is funny. They're adorably laughing at them. Yeah, because the idea of, like, slumming it in Europe is just, like, too much for them. They could never do that. They also don't think it's safe or proper. And when they find out that they're actually going to do it, they're just, like, flabbergasted and, like, shocked. I like when they offer to pay for it. They're like, we'll just pay for your trip. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't stay in those places. Then we go to Luke's. Dean is next door working with the construction crew for Dosey. Apparently, he's still, like, an errand boy for them. He's like Xander. Yes, exactly. He's going to go get some jelly donuts for them. Uh, That surly construction dude is back. Tom. He's got a name? Mm Mm-hmm. But then we see Miss Patty is just right there, leaned up against the wall like some kind of siren. Honestly, she looks like a giant purple burrito. She's, <laughs> She's like wrapped up. Wrapped up in a solid like purple thing. A big purple mummy. And she's just like staying there staring at the guys. At first, I'm like, oh, is she here to get catcalled? Oh, no. uh, No, but that's not it. That's not it. How how dare I think that? Because Dean is like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm just here to watch. And he's like, okay, well, enjoy. And she's like, I always do. (laughs) Miss Patty is a hornball. So next door at Luke's, uh, Luke is reading a book about romantic restaurants, whatever uh, that is. 
It's maybe like just a guidebook, you know, right, like right. the Zagat or whatever. Right. But Jess is all like, Luke, reading, this does not compute. What are you reading? And so he tells him, and Jess is like, what are you doing that for? And Luke's like, well, that's what you do when you date someone. You, like, find a nice place to go. And then Jess is all like, that's not what I do when I date. And I'm like, yeah, I imagine you put no effort into your dates, Jess. <laughs> I know. Uh, you're a very low effort person. Your dates consist of getting in a car and making out, I imagine. Probably. Um, so then Dean shows up, and Jess just, like, ignores him. And Dean, like, walks up there, and he wants to order, and Jess is, like, talking to the clown. And Dean's like, I am. <laughs> that was, was very funny. So he has to order a bunch of, like, hamburgers and hot dogs for the construction crew and a salad, I guess. And he's just, like, really pressing Jess on this. Like, Jess is being a dick. But, like, Dean is being just as dicky back. It's just like, write these all down. Repeat them all to me. It's very complicated, too. Like, Jess was going to try to memorize it, but you got to write it down. No, you have to write this down. But Jess is, like, maybe not gonna. And Dean's like, you know what Dosey's like. He'll keep sending these back until he gets what he wants. You'll be doing this all day, making hamburgers until tomorrow if you don't get it right. I liked this scene. I don't know. I liked watching them fight. Yeah, I, I told you when the scene came on, I was like, I remember this scene. Then we cut to the inn. This is also funny. There's a retirement party that just changed its theme again. Oh, this is funny. Michelle is furious. It's <laughs> Laura, like the fourth time they've changed it. Yeah. And Lorelai like just walks into this room to tell them they're not going to do a golf themed party anymore. And there's just like all these men like hanging golf clubs from the ceiling. And she's like, hey, guys. And they're immediately like, oh, there's giant golf balls everywhere. Yeah. Like everyone's in on this, too. Like Lane is like stringing golf balls together to like hang like tinsel. It's kind of all shot sort of in real time, too. Like walking through the inn, we just like see all these extras immediately stopping what they're doing. It's choreographed well. It is choreographed. And then, like, Rory shows up with a bunch of flags. But also, Michelle is very funny in this scene. He's, like, giving them alternate ideas. He's like, what if we just, you know, like, dig a hole and he sits in the hole and we all, like, bury him alive? His wife gets used to eating alone. (laughs) Yeah, that was the funniest line. He's like, then we have dinner, you know, and his wife gets used to eating alone. (laughs) That was so funny. Uh, but they're going to get a new theme at four. God, who is this guy that's like, better be themed two minutes before I get there? Richard. Sure. Okay. But Richard's going to pay a lot of money. I guess maybe this guy is too. Who knows? But then Rory shows her mother, hey, I got an invitation to Sherry's C-section. Sherry's made it into like a big event where they're going to get sushi. And then like, you know, if there's time, maybe watch a C-section. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I actually like this scene too, because this is one of those scenes that really shows that Lorelai is like a good mom and like a kind-hearted person. Um, because she, you know, Rory was like, yeah, I think I want to go. And Lorelai's like, of course you want to go. Like, you want to meet your sister. And obviously this would be hard for any mother, I feel like, to be enthusiastic about it. But I feel like she really is trying to, like, say, like, this will mean a lot to you. Really, the whole episode, you can tell Lorelai's not psyched about anything that's happening, but is trying to be supportive of Rory. Totally. Uh, But then the scene also ends in a fun way, because then (laughs) Lorelai remembers she hasn't told Suki to stop making the giant golf ball cake that Suki just throws into the garbage. That was very funny. How many episodes do we cut to Suki just making a quick cake? This show must throw away a cake an episode. I think she's made a decent amount of cakes. She was making one in the last one for like a 10 second scene. Maybe the the writers were just like, guys, if we write a cake into the show, we We all get get cake. cake. 
Then back at home, we find out that they're going to do a Beanie Baby party theme. What What? the hell? No. What? That's a dumb joke. Too big of a left turn. Yeah. I mean, they say that it's weird, so at least they're acknowledging that, but still. It's a retirement party. Too weird. On their way into the house, Lorelai notices a huge box, and she's like, oh, is this from Amazon? Did you get a bunch of books from Amazon? You guys remember that? Remember when Amazon was just books? I do. Like, it's funny because now it's like a package outside the door. It's like, yeah, that's every day. But then it was like, oh, a package from the internet? But it's not from Amazon. It's Emily has sent a bunch of her old travel books that she, like, found in Richard's office. So they start going through these travel books, and they're all from the 70s, so they're kind of joking about that. But then this, like, suddenly, like, triggers a flashback. Everything goes sepia tone. We're at Emily's house, and then a young woman in a schoolgirl outfit and a young boy in a schoolboy outfit walk in and immediately do that thing where they, like, tell us four times who they are. (laughs) Lorelai's like, hello, Mom, Emily, it's me. Me, Lorelai, Lorelai, your daughter, here with Christopher, my boyfriend. <laughs> it's just like, okay, got it. You guys are past versions. Got it. Understood. <laughs> I feel like that was still kind of a funny thing for her to do, though, being obnoxious Lorelai. Totally. And the show needs to do this, right? Like, need to let us know who these characters are. Right. She's doing all this to prove to Christopher that her mother's not home. She's like, I'm dropping my sweater on the floor. I'm not picking it up. Uh, Her and Christopher are, like, flirting and, like, having some drinks while Emily's gone. And I have to say, I feel like the actress that plays young Lorelai does a great job. Mm -hmm. You know, part of it is the script, obviously, right? She's saying the kind of things Lorelai would say. But I feel like she watched a bunch of episodes. Absolutely. She's got, like, the cadence down, like, just the smirk about, like, she has it down. So I was actually very impressed. I've seen online people complain about the casting of the teen actors for this, and I don't think it's bad. I mean, they don't look 100% like them, but, like, who does? Yeah. And one thing specifically people have complained about is that her eyes aren't blue, and it's like, well, it's all sepia. We can't really even tell. And I feel like if they find someone that can sound like her pretty well, that's more important to me than what color her eyes are. Yeah, and like you said, the sepia tone kind of fixes that. I feel like you can't even tell. I don't even know if I would have noticed that if I hadn't read those comments online. Yeah, I wonder if these people just like saw her in real life and were like, oh, your eyes are different. And I think Christopher did a good job too. Yeah. I feel like he does look less like Christopher, but whatever. Who cares? She's maybe too short. She's shorter than Emily in one scene, and she probably would be full-grown at this point. Pregnancy makes you taller, boo. Oh, okay. I just learned about reproduction. Mm-hmm. She uh, shape-shifted back badly. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I learned from a, a very um, suspect Reddit forum, but I'm pretty sure everything I learned is right. They sit on the couch and they find those old travel logs that we see Lorelai and Rory with in the future. That's what triggered this flashback. And they start talking and Christopher suggests that after high school, the two of them should just like go on a secret vacation backpacking through Europe. Let's not tell our parents. Let's just leave a note and go. And she's like, we can't do that. We got to go to college. That's the plan. But... I don't know. Do you think he just really doesn't want to go to college or just wants to go for a summer? Yeah, I don't know. I think they're maybe just setting up that they have a plan to do something cool because we know it doesn't happen. Right. I also want to know about this scene. Emily's not home. Richard's not home. They're drinking. Is this when they have sex and get pregnant? I think it could be, but they don't explicitly tell us that. 
I would guess that they had sex more than once and it wasn't a situation where they did it once and got pregnant. Yeah, I would imagine that they've had sex multiple times given how easily they have sex later as adults. Yes. And they kind of set up that Lorelai was a bit of a wild child, like sneaking out. And I think she dated other guys and they drink pretty easily. So I think they've probably had drinks before this day. You know, I think this is maybe just a regular afternoon. I don't know that they're trying to tell us this is the conception day. Yeah, I honestly do feel like it could go either way, though, because they do show us this day, and in the next scene, she's pregnant. Yeah, this is, yeah, I I hear what you're saying, because, like, all the other scenes are directly related to the pregnancy. You're right, though, it doesn't have to be, and there's definitely evidence to suggest they've been making love before. But it's a thought that they, it could be. Then we come back to present day, and we're at school, and Louise and Madeline are, like, wondering about Jamie. They're talking about Paris and how she's like, something's wrong with her. Like, she didn't want to talk about an old war on the phone. So they're like, what's going on with Jamie? I'm confused how they don't know about Jamie. Like, Francie knew about Jamie. How do they not know about Jamie? Because Rory was told not to tell them. That is true. But, I mean, since Francie found out and, like, these things have been shouted. Well, I think now they know about him and they want to know more about him. You're right. That's true. Well, this is yearbook, I'm guessing. They're on yearbook now, right? Maybe. This might be for the student council. Or maybe for the paper? I don't really remember. It's not clear what this event is, but Paris comes in with the yearbook photos, and out of 90 different group photos, she picked the one where Rory is sneezing, obviously, to get at Rory. I feel like this is not a thing. To hand out an 8 by 10 group photo to everyone? No. Who's paying for that? Why buy the yearbook then? Like, maybe you could opt to get one. Like, when I did sports, they took, like, a group sport photo, but you had to buy one if you wanted one. But then Rory's like, this isn't over. We're going to fight about this. But she gets a phone call on her cell phone. Rory's got a cell phone That's new. Maureen is one of Sherry's friends, and this phone call is hilarious. So (laughs) Maureen's calling because Sherry screwed up. She says it like five times. She says it so many times. And it's funny every time she says it. It's funnier every time. So Sherry was going to have that C-section like we talked about. But apparently she went into labor early. Rookie mistake. It's a big screw up. It's a big screw up. Sherry screwed up. (laughs) So funny. Uh, And it's a big problem because all of her friends are all like hyper-organized, hyper-overscheduled business people. And so is Sherry. So like they had all, you know, chiseled out a little bit of room in their schedule to do the C-section thing. And none of them are going to be able to do this now. Maureen is like super funny on the phone with her constant like Sherry screwed up commentary. But also she's like, you're a kid, right? Can you like reschedule school? (laughs) But Rory's a good person. So she's like, I can come. I'll, I'll come now. Then we get a flashback of Lorelai's, like, coming out portrait. Which we've seen a photo of. Yeah. But I guess they are going to reschedule it, so maybe they do take it eventually. But she's having trouble getting the dress on. It's, like, too tight. Obviously, I feel like it's pretty clear immediately it's because she's pregnant. But then Emily comes up, and we get to see old school Emily. And I'm going to let you know right now, old school Emily is uh, a lot. Like, uh, regular Emily's a lot. Old school Emily is uh, a lot, a lot. She's just, like, upset that she's taking too long. She's upset that she can't get the dress on. And then she's upset that the dress is too small. She's going to go all, like, mega Karen on the tailor that made the dress for her. But then she's like, fine, we'll have to reschedule. But put some shorts on, go outside, and start jogging because you're going to fit in the next one. That's all we see for that flashback. I think it's just trying to set up that Emily is the worst and also that she's pregnant. I feel like Lorelai does have a moment of, like, oh, shoot, maybe it's that. Yeah. I I don't know why she would have that realization unless she missed a period. Right. I don't know. I I guess if she's suddenly gaining weight and she knows her diet hasn't changed, maybe that's another reason to know. Right. 
Lorelai comes into Luke's and she needs a bunch of coffee because she's going to go to her mother's house alone and she can't do that without, you know, her nerves on fire. And Kirk is just there like hanging out, listening. Did he ever order anything? No, he's just chilling. We'll talk about that later, but he's just chilling right now. Then Luke comes out looking really nice. He doesn't have a baseball cap on. He's wearing nice clothes. I think something that Lorelai picked out for him that one time. Yeah, she even says like, hey, is that shirt the one I bought for you? He's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Then the lawyer shows up and Lorelai puts it together like, oh, this is for a woman on a date. And the lawyer, Nicole, gets a phone call because she's a lawyer and lawyers, you know, get phone calls. And Lorelai's like, what? But you've got a big sign that says no phones. Like, what's happening? This is like all done silently pretty much. It's very funny. Yeah, she's like freaking out, gesticulating like the sign the woman Luke what's happening and Nicole apologizes and Luke's like oh you make as many phone calls as you want you know but I do think there's also a second where Lorelai doesn't like that he's going out with a woman oh yeah right there's like a split second where she realizes it's a woman that he's dressing up for and she's like all right wait what I'm not into that yeah and that probably comes out a bit in her childish behavior about the cell phone yeah Uh, it isn't like something they dwell on but it's definitely there for like a second Then we have Rory arriving at the hospital, and Maureen is there, Sherry's friend. Once again, like, ah, Sherry screwed up. And she's like, I've got to go back to work. You're going to have to go in there and hang out with her because none of her friends are here. I can't believe all of her friends are working on Friday night. You'd think one of them would have finished for the week. Or could reschedule enough, you know? It's Friday night. Yeah. I get if it's like Tuesday night. Chris is out of town because this was not part of the plan. I think he's on his way, but like he's coming from, I assume, at least three hours away. So now Rory's got all of this pressure on her to like spend time with her soon to be stepmother, like in this weird her having a baby thing. I just learned about reproduction. (laughs) (laughs) It's called a pregnancy. (laughs) I was not taught that it was called a pregnancy. It's called a weird having a baby thing. But when Rory goes into Sherry's room, she's got like this heart monitor next to her with like a printout. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I was just like, maybe this was a thing, but it seems like not a thing. I feel like heart monitor printouts aren't like generally around for women in labor. Maybe I'm wrong. Brent Bryan's an expert, so. Listen, what I was taught, this was at a bus stop by a stranger. Just um, today. Just today. Hey, Brian. (laughs) You knew my name, so I was like, what's going on? Yeah, maybe it's a joke to highlight that she's really stressed out. Right. Or it has something to do with her blonde hair. I don't know. Is that new, by the way? Yeah. I thought that was weird. Another thing people debate on the internet is if this is a different actress, because she looks so different. Maybe she was doing another movie at the time. It was like that weird episode where, like, Luis... Had a, a wig on for some reason. Yeah. Cher is freaking out. She's like, no one is here. And Rory's like, I'm here. I'm, I got you. And she's like, thank God you're here. I can't believe this. It's not fair. I scheduled this. I wrote it down. That was really funny. She's like, I wrote it down. Baby should have come out when she said because she wrote it down. <laughs> also, Maureen had told her not to tell Sherry she looked fat because she's sensitive about that right now. For some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this whole Sherry freaking out scene ends with Rory being like, boy, do you look thin. Yeah. I feel like most of the scenes with Sherry and Rory are pretty funny. It's a funny episode. It is a funny episode. Then we cut to Emily's for Friday night dinner, question mark. We think it's a Friday night dinner. I don't know why else Lorelai would like have to go. Yeah, I agree. I thought this scene was pretty fun, too, because Lorelai's making, you know, nonstop jokes because that's how she is. And Emily, like, calls her out, like, please, we we don't have a buffer tonight. (laughs) Please stop. It's just the two of them. Even the maid has the night off. 
Lorelai's like, what? But what about dinner? And Emily's like, well, she made dinner before, and I reheated it, and I even put some wine on it so it didn't dry out. Sounds nice. It does sound nice. So then they start just talking, and Lorelai kind of wants to get to know her mother a little bit better. She's like, what do you do when dad's gone? And Emily doesn't have, like, a real answer. She's got, like, a little, you know, a bunch of little things she does. But Lorelai's like, yeah, but, like, once he's gone, like, what do you do? Do you watch TV? And Emily's like, no, I don't watch TV because... I can't find that guide, and every time I turn on the TV, I show up late to something, and I hate showing up in the middle of something, which does seem like an Emily thing. Yeah. And Lorelai's like, well, you should get a DVD player, and Emily's like, I don't. What would I do with one of those? Then there's a flashback. We see the aftermath of Lorelai having told everyone she's pregnant. It's Richard, Emily, and Christopher's parents all, like, loudly arguing about what they're going to do. Christopher's parents, which we know already because in the previous episode, are just total pieces of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. they're just like, oh, this is all her fault. She ruined his future. Christopher's mom's like, can't we, like, send her somewhere? I don't know what that means. I'm imagining that means, like, she has the baby and then you give it up for adoption and, like, we just never talk about it. But then the dad is like, maybe we could just get rid of it, you know? And, you know, they're all like, no, no way. And Richard's like, this is what we're going to do. They're going to get married and Christopher will come and work at my company. Uh, And he's the most reasonable sounding one. And that's the last time he'll be reasonable in this episode. Oh, yeah. What? I don't understand what they're doing with his character beyond this point. But then we like move upstairs and we see that Lorelai and Christopher are listening and they're both also upset. Lorelai's like, what about what we want? You know, they're making plans for us. Christopher's like a little bit more on their side. He's like, this sounds okay. Like, I'll do that. Yeah, he seems to be trying to do the right thing here. Yeah. And when I say do the right thing, I'm not saying objectively this is the right thing, but he's doing what he thinks would be the right thing. Right. And he seems legitimately fine with Richard's plan. Yeah. But Lorelai's all like, but we're going to Europe. We're supposed to do that. Like, I think they're trying to show us that, like, she isn't really processing that that's not an option anymore. Right. Like, she's not able to concede that their lives are forever changed. And if they have this baby, I don't think her parents are just going to, like, let her go to Europe for the summer. Right. Which kind of fits her character. She's not super responsible to this day. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, she definitely is responsible. She raised a kid by herself, but sort of immature. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe Lorelai. She is immature. She's responsible. She's just immature. Which is okay, Lorelai fans. Characters have strengths and they have weaknesses. So then we cut back to the present day hospital where Rory has like turned Sherry's bed into like a little desk. Yeah. And she's got a headset on and she's like making calls for Sherry's work. So she's like calling different people and like, I don't know, rescheduling or like telling them. I don't I don't really know what Sherry does on phone calls. But she's not telling them she's pregnant. Yeah, it's so funny. She's gonna call somebody and Sherry's like, Oh, don't tell him I'm pregnant. He hates pregnancy. <laughs> There's just some guy that's like, I hate pregnancy. How does he feel about newborns? That's fine. That's after pregnancy, honey. I learned that today. Um, (laughs) You were at that bus stop a while. Yeah, I was there for a long time. So Sherry's kind of like freaking out. Rory's like, I just need to step out and uh, make a phone call. Because she might need to go into the delivery room with her. Yes. The nurse comes in and is like, hey, we're going to get you some gloves and stuff because this baby's coming. Christopher probably ain't going to be here. You need to go in that room. So Rory steps outside, calls her out. Well, Rory does a good job of being like, okay, we're going to do that. I'm assessing the situation, and that seems the most logical thing. Then she steps out of the room and calls her mom and is, like, breaking down, like, mom, I need you. I can't do this. Like, I've seen too many butts today. (laughs) Just, like, a weird day at the hospital. And Lorelai was like, all right, I'm going to come. 
Emily like doesn't understand this at all. Emily's like, wait a minute, you're gonna go to Sherry, the woman that took Christopher away from you and is having Christopher's kid instead of you. You're gonna go to her delivery room? That's crazy. Why would you do that? And Lorelai's like, because my daughter needs me, so that's more important than any of this. And I feel like this does show a difference between the two of them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like Emily is like, I have no duty to do that. Lorelai doesn't have a duty to go to that labor. They kind of were sort of bonding over their disdain for Sherry. Yes. When Lorelai showed up. Yeah. I, I don't know, just both kind of throwing out little jabs at how stupid the situation is. And they're both unhappy that this is happening. Right. And I think that was, like I was saying, the difference is like Emily will do stuff for duty, but she doesn't feel like she has any responsibility to go to this. She doesn't mm-hmm. owe Sherry anything. Doesn't owe Christopher anything as far as this is concerned. So the idea that Lorelai would just do this is crazy to her. Why do this? It's going to be painful. Lorelai's like, no, I'm going to be there for my daughter. And I imagine a little bit of her, a little bit of her is doing it for Sherry too. You think mm, I'm wrong? Maybe for Christopher. Yeah. Do you think Emily would do this for Lorelai? It's tough because my instinct would say no, but part of me thinks that maybe she still would because I think Emily does really love Lorelai. Yeah. Like I think if, if it was the opposite situation where Lorelai was somewhere that Emily really didn't want to be and she called her and needed her, I feel like she'd go. Yeah. She'd be mean about it. Yes. But I think she would go. Yeah. So she's going to go. And to be fair, Emily, you know, is kind of like, I don't understand. But Emily isn't like too crazy. She doesn't stop her. She seems hurt, but she doesn't like make a scene. Then we get a flashback of Lorelai in labor. Well, we see Lorelai like watching TV and then eating some stuff and like just dropping crumbs everywhere. And then she's like, oh, so she's obviously having labor pains. And then we see her just like go to the hospital without telling anybody. And she's just sitting there with headphones on by herself at the hospital listening to 99 Red Balloons. It's like really sad. Speaking of hospital... Yeah, it was sad, but she didn't need to go by herself. Yeah. She lives at home for like at least a year, I think, before she moves to Stars Hollow. So it wasn't like this was her exodus. I I don't know why she didn't call like Christopher or anything. I think it's just one of those things where like, you know, it's a dumb thing kids do. Yeah. She just feels like she's in this by herself and no one cares. So she's going to do it herself. Perhaps. Then we cut back to Lorelai arriving at the present day hospital. And then this next part does not make sense. Rory shows up and she's got like all these pieces of paper. And she's like, oh, I had to Xerox a bunch of these because Sherry needs me to fax them and there wasn't enough. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it prints out on their end. doesn't matter. You only need one copy unless we miss something. Yeah, and the writers might have thought like, oh, she meant she was printing out all kinds of different documents. But she doesn't say print out. She says she Xerox, which is to copy. You would never need more than one copy of something you're faxing. I did think it was funny, though, that Rory sees Lorelai. She's like, I have a deadline. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. (laughs) She's in like Sherry mode. It was just weird that like no one in the script understood that this didn't make sense. Right. Then they go into Sherry's room, and Sherry is, like, sitting cross-legged, but, like, sit-standing. I don't know. It's weird on the bed. And Lorelai's like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, Maureen told me that Howard Stern said that sitting like this makes the baby come faster. <laughs> and Lorelai's like, well, if you had a good source, that's that's all that matters. I mean, that's maybe a better source than the bus stop. Uh, this bus stop guy had glasses, so <laughs> okay, he knew a lot about how the reproductive butt organs work. So they're getting ready, they're gonna just go into labor, and then Christopher shows up. He's like, I made it, I broke a bunch of laws to get here. We assume it's because of speeding, but who knows? Maybe he who knows? stole a car, maybe he hijacked a car. We don't know. He killed someone. But he's there. I feel like it takes him too long to get into the room. <laughs> like spends a minute talking to Lorelai. 
Then we cut to another flashback, Lorelai being wheeled into labor, and Emily and Richard show up, and Emily is, like, furious. And she's just like, you do not leave the house to have a baby without telling your mom. (laughs) You say, excuse me, mom, I'm having a baby, can I get a ride? Very funny. Very funny. Richard, though, what What? the hell? Richard's like, oh, I I wish I'd known. I've got the wrong kind of shoes for this. Is he wearing heels? What's happening? Yeah, there's not that much walking involved in waiting for a baby. Yeah, any shoes you wear to work, you can wear to hospital. Yeah, what are these, like, fancy shoes Richard only wears for fashion, not for comfort? Maybe. Did they say where they were going? Maybe they were on their way to, like, a party or something. He's wearing skates. It's weird. (laughs) Um, He's being such a little baby about his shoes. It's like sitting down making faces like, oh, my feeties hurt. Yeah, I don't They could come up with no better lines for him. They didn't want him to have opinions on the labor. Then we cut to Luke's present day, not past. That'd be fun. Kirk is still there. That would have been fun if we had just done one rando flashback to Miss <laughs> Patty at like a different construction site. <laughs> Kirk is still here. Just like calls him out like, you want to order something? Do you like want to go home maybe? And he's like, uh, no, I'm bored at home. Like, what are you doing here? He says he's been there four hours. Jess is like, you should read something. And he's like, all right, like what? Jess is like, I don't know, Moby Dick. And Kirk's like, oh, about the whale? Nah. <laughs> I'll just sit here. Okay, thanks, dude. That's probably why he has all these jobs. He's bored at home. Yeah, you'd think he'd be working right now. Then Luke shows up from his date with Nicole. Uh, They sit down, and they're complaining about how dumb the restaurant was and how they didn't like it, but that they both still had a good time, though, with each other. Jess comes over, gives him some coffee, and he asks Nicole how the date goes. And she's like, oh, it went really well. And he's like, you had a good time? She's like, yeah. And he's like, cool. I'm going out for like an hour, and then immediately puts on his coat. The implication being like, you guys are going to bone. I don't have to be here for that. We're led to believe Jess is essentially being like, hey, I'm doing you a solid. Mm -hmm. I'm leaving so you can have some alone time with a lady. Even if it's not to bone, just to have him out of the hair. I think it's clear that it's for boning, though, don't you? Yes, but... That's what we call it, boning, right? That's what the doctor told me. It was a doctor? (laughs) Uh, He told me he was a doctor. Mm, He Uh, wasn't. Uh, Yeah, but regardless, whether, you know, they they don't have to, but he's just going to be out of their hair for a while. Luke immediately is like, what? Come on outside. He takes him outside, and it's kind of funny because we just see them, like, screaming at each other outside, or pretty much Luke just, like, yelling at Jess. It's very, like, uh, animated, and Kirk leans over to Nicole and is like, they have amazing communication. (laughs) He, like, slaps Jess in the back of the head. (laughs) Finally, Jess comes in. He's like, I guess I'm not going away for an hour. And then he, like, goes upstairs. Yeah, I feel like this was super weird. Like, Luke should have just let him go. Because now it looks like he, A, doesn't want to have sex with her. Right. And, like, made a scene for no reason, which is unattractive. Like, even if they weren't going to have sex, like, it's a weird message to send to her that he doesn't want to be just alone with her in the restaurant. Yeah, and also it's just, like, you can read it as, I'm leaving so you guys can have sex, especially since we know Jess. But it's like not that crazy to be like, oh, I'm going to leave you guys alone here for a while. Like, so I'm not in, like you said, I'm not in your hair. The only thing I can think of is Luke is just misreading it as Jess like interfering in his personal life or is just like totally misreading it that Jess is going out at a late hour. Yeah. And he's like, no, you can't go out. You have to work at the diner. If you're not at the diner, then I have to work at the diner. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's just a sex thing and I think it's silly. 
Is he just like offended that Jess would presume he wants to have sex with this woman and he's meddling? I don't think. I think he's upset that Jess is suggesting that they're going to have sex while Nicole is present. Mm. But Luke made it weirder, though. Absolutely. But I mean, I can see how it might make you uncomfortable if it's like, oh, you guys had a good day? Well, I'm going to leave so you guys can do whatever you need to do. Yeah. After your first date. Jess was perfectly subtle. I do not think Jess was subtle. Mm. He's like, how'd the date go? She's like, well, okay, then he like sets the coffee down on their table and is like, all right, well, then I'm going out for like an hour or so. I guess he could have been more subtle. Like, oh, I'm going to meet Rory, like I said. At the end of the day, it was silly, but it was it was still funny. It was a funny scene. But Luke's a weirdo about it. I mean, Luke's a weirdo about freaking everything. I don't know why I censored myself. I heard saying the word fuck can lead to babies, so. Just saying it. Oops. Then we cut back to the hospital, present day. Christopher comes out and he brings Lorelai out and looks at the baby and he's like, it's perfect. And Lorelai says, Rory was perfect. But this baby is solid second place. Chris is just, like, gushing about this child. And you could tell that, like, Lorelai's got this, like, bittersweet sense. Like, just is a little uncomfortable. And Christopher, like, kisses her on the side of the cheek. It's like a friendship kiss. But it's you could tell that she didn't love it. That she felt uncomfortable when he did it. Right. I I mean, there's a lot of emotions, right? But part of me is like, yeah, this has got to be super hard for Lorelai right now. Like, she was going to be with you, and now she's not, and she's watching you have the experience that she, I don't know if she knew she wanted at the time, you know, of, like, Christopher being there for their baby. Like, having the perfect family birthing experience, and she didn't have that. Yeah, and that's interesting because they don't show us that Christopher missed it. It seemed like she didn't ask him to be there. Right. So it's she can't, like, blame him. I could still see, even if you don't blame Christopher, you're still like, God, I wish you were there. Even though I could have asked you, you know what I mean? We all make mistakes. He also could maybe be reading the room a little better here to not rub it in so much. I get that he's in like a mood where he can't help himself, maybe. Yeah. I don't know what that's like. We haven't watched a baby be born. I did, actually. Uh, Uh, I I was going to say, you maybe did today. On this bus stop. That's how this all started. You really were gone a while. Then we cut to Lorelai in a flashback looking at her baby Rory and saying it's perfect, which is very interesting, right? She said the baby was perfect then, and Christopher saying the baby is perfect now, which is, I feel like it's significant. I feel like it's sort of saying that, like, Christopher's going to be involved in this baby's life. This baby is going to be more important to him than Rory. Well, Christopher's also in the flashback, and he says, like, she's beautiful or something. Yes, I know. And they say, like, opposite things in the present. Yeah. So that's why I feel like that's important. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But in the past, Christopher seems a little like, oh, boy. Then we cut back to present day at Emily's house. Lorelai's showing up, and she's got a big DVD player. She's got a bunch of DVDs. And Emily's like, what is all this about? And she's like, I bought you a DVD player. We're going to set it up. I bought you a bunch of DVDs. Emily's doing that thing where she's like, what am I going to do with these? Oh, my God, I love this musical. Yeah. Cue Lorelai rolling her eyes. This is a cute scene. It was a cute eye roll, too. It was very funny. Yeah. And Lorelai's like, I'll set this up for you. And this is also a fun juxtaposition of their different attitudes towards life and stuff. Emily's like, well, we've got to hire a man to come do this. Set it up, a professional. There's no way we could figure this out. And Lorelai's whole, like, life motto is, like, I can do this on my own. Mm -hmm. Like, I can do this. Just give me some time. I'll read the instructions. And Emily's like, no way. You'll electrocute yourself. You'll destroy something. Which is so funny because DVD players are so simple. It's really not hard. You're not going to hurt yourself. And then they start heading upstairs to go hook it up. I think it was really nice of Lorelai and sweet that she bought her mom this. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're totally right. I don't even know that I really thought about that, that it's just like a huge metaphor for her being like, no, I can do things on my own. I don't need money. Right. And like the idea Emily has is that that's impossible. It has to be done this way. Mm -hmm. 
Then we have one final flashback of Richard and Emily fighting at first. Richard's fighting, but the same thing he fights about every time. <laughs> He's just like, I don't want to even go to this thing. And the maid put his scarf in the wrong place. He's being a lot. He's going to go upstairs and he's going to get the right scarf. I hope he didn't wear his like labor shoes because (laughs) it'll be too much of a journey for his little feeties. But then we see Emily noticing something on the table and it's pretty clear that that's the note that Lorelai left when she left the house. Because we've also set up that they're trying to find Lorelai and she doesn't seem to be home. Yes. And Emily makes a comment about how like Rory's toys and like stuff have been picked up. And that's because they're not there anymore. They're gone. They're gone. They're with Mia now. And that's the episode. That's the episode. So, Stacy, do you think this is a good one? I do. I really like this episode. Yeah. This is one that stands out to me when I think about some of my favorite episodes. Yeah. I told you, I see people sometimes not like the casting, and maybe that's the only flaw people have with it. I, I was thinking, like, do people not like this episode? Am I wrong? But no, I, I stand by it. This is a great episode. Mm-hmm. I think it's very funny. The storytelling is very sweet. I thought maybe I wouldn't like the Sherry parts because she can be a little annoying historically, but that was all very funny. Maureen was hilarious. Mm -hmm. Kirk was super funny. Luke and Jess were funny. I don't think there's a lot wrong with this one. I didn't mention this earlier, but again, I liked Jess and Luke like bonding. Like It's that male bonding where they're sort of giving each other shit a bit, but, like, they are showing that they care about each other. Yeah. The very fact that Jess is pressuring him to go on a date, but then also being like, I can leave. Like, I feel like that's, bond. you know, like, I'm doing you a favor here because I care about you. Yeah, another episode focused on their relationship and none of Rory and Jess, too. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, Lorelai and her daughter, that relationship showcase was very important in this episode, as well as Lorelai and her mom. Right. You kind of mentioned that you didn't think the transitions between the past and the present were super smooth always. And and you're right. Some made more sense than others, like showing her in the dress maybe felt a little clunky. But I thought for the most part, considering the show doesn't do that, right. did a good job of making it make sense. Yeah, just for the listeners, like I just thought that not every flashback fit narratively. I thought the worst one was the first one where they're just like kind of staring at a book and then it becomes the past. Yeah. You pause. You're like, wait, what? what? This is where are we? Okay. First off, anyone out there that thinks taking notes in a Gilmore Girl episode is easy, I'll tell you right now it ain't. I don't okay? know how many people are doing that, but... Um, <laughs> they talk so fast in the show. I'm like, what was just said? Where? Slow down, Miss Patty. Which is what he said to her when he walked past her on the street. And he yeah, was she, grabbed she by is her. a fast woman. <laughs> Did did you like it? Did you think it was good? Yeah, I did think it was good. Uh, like I said, some of the scenes I feel like weren't perfectly aligned. Like they didn't flow perfectly from one to the next. But overall, that's like a minor criticism. Very funny episode. I feel like all the jokes really hit. Yeah, I had forgotten that specifically about it. I just remember liking the flashbacks a lot and yeah. getting that information. The flashbacks, if I'm being real, didn't have much emotional weight to me. Almost didn't need them. I know that's like sacrilege. Someone's going to be mad that I said that. But like, we all knew this stuff. Like, Yeah, we had a moment or two where we see a sad Lorelai in the past. But like, I was like, let's dwell on that more than if we want to feel that emotion. I hear what you're saying. But I I think the juxtaposition helped tell the story of the present. I feel like the episode needed a little bit more like Kevin McLeod music. Well, we'll put it in a TikTok. (laughs) So Brian, which episode do you think was better? I think Gilmore Girls was better. Oh, me too. It wasn't a super hard decision for me. I know you like this episode of Buffy, but how did you make your decision? Well, I mean, I was just, its it was tough. But I think the whole idea that, like, Xander's adventure wasn't that exciting slash wasn't that funny on its own is w- the reason I have to give it to Gilmore Girls. I feel like Buffy did a lot of stuff I really liked, but it didn't, like I said, it didn't fire on all cylinders, whereas Gilmore mostly did. 
Yeah. The more I thought about the Buffy episode, the more I liked it. But like I said before, I just really didn't love a lot of the Xander story. Yeah. Even though I, I liked a lot of it. It was funny. At the end of the day, I feel like this Gilmore Girl just had more working parts. And while both episodes were fun and good, I think Gilmore was just better. Yeah. Agreed. If you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 3, Episode 14, Swan Song. As well as Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 3, Episode 14, Bad Girls. I think we're finally going to start getting into the meat of this season in Buffy. You've been saying that a minute or two. No, I'm saying finally. I told you the last two were good, but... Okay. In the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Like, what did you think of the flashbacks? Would you date a dude who came back from the dead and wasn't looking so great? Why did those guys build a bomb? Would you have understood what the Zeppo means? What's going on with Richard's shoes? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer, where we post all kinds of interactive and behind-the-scenes content. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or leave a comment on CastBox. We love hearing from you and it really helps our podcast get discovered by even more Buffy and Gilmore fans. And if you leave a review, we'll give you a shout out on an upcoming podcast. For even more comedy content not related to the podcast, follow us at Brian and Stacy. That's Brian with a Y, Stacy with an EY. That's right. We also make comedy sketches, play board games, and review movies in a similar style to our podcast. For all that more, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. If social media is not your thing, you can send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. I have to go. I got to take that bus. I'm probably going to learn about the circulatory system. I'm sorry, what? The circulatory system. Circulatory? Well, if that's not the white right way to say it, I'm going to find out, okay? Doc said he would teach me all kinds of things. It is the middle of the night right now. That's when he's the most active, he said. Bye.